Well, hello, Facebook, YouTube, and other assorted, less notable social media. Hello. Josh says no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just Facebook and YouTube. Yes. We're glad you're here for another episode of Rural Pastors Talk. We have nothing weird to eat today. Bummer. Nothing funny to say today. I don't believe that. No uh, countdown today. Terrifying. So if you care to, you could leave a comment and let us know if you appreciated the fact that there's no countdown or if you missed it. Or, as I anticipate, do nothing. (laughs) Shall we begin? Let's begin. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, John, are you ready for the interview? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Sure. Well, come on in. Uh, Why don't you have a seat right over here, and we'll go ahead and get started. Okay. Hey, uh, if you could, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born in a small town. Okay. That's a great start. What else? And I live in a small town. Uh Uh-huh. Probably die in a small town well it seems like you're a small town kind of a guy all my friends are so small town my parents live in the same small town educated in a small town taught to fear jesus in a small town used to daydream in that small town another boring romantic that's me okay then small towns jesus and donnie griggs on this episode of rural pastors talk Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rural Pastors Talk, a podcast highlighting the advancement of Christ's kingdom in rural places just like the town you live in. The rural church is not the baby pool we splash around in before moving on to bigger opportunities. It's not the place we're confined until we can take off those training wheels. And it is not God's penalty box as a punishment for breaking the rules. No, Jesus died for his people. And as long as Christ's people live in rural places, a vibrant healthy, multiplying presence of his church will be there too. Hello, my name is TJ Freeman. I'm the lead pastor at Wellsboro Bible Church, and I am joined by... Hey, y'all. I am Pastor Joe Wagner from God's Family Fellowship Church in Wellsboro. What's going on, guys? Pastoral assistant Joshua McLaren at Wellsboro Bible Church. Did you crack yourself I up? I got confused. <laughs> forgot which one you were? I forgot my name, <laughs> even though it's in front of me. Nice. Well, uh... We d- we did not give our usual update. No, the weather outside is sunny beautiful. and beautiful, mm. warm. It's crisp. Oh yeah, brisk, brisk, but crisp. beautiful. <laughs> Spring is a wonderful time of year. We walked around outside today and saw flowering things and budding things just beginning to show the signs. Crocuses. Mm-hmm. They were crocusing. Have you heard peepers yet? I heard one single solitary peeper. Mm. Wow. Well, a couple of days ago on that really warm day that we had. Yeah. Yep. I drove back from um, Williamsport, which is south of us a little bit. And the peepers were peeping down there. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit ahead of us. It's amazing in this part of the state how drastic 20, 30 minute drive is in seasonal changes. They can, my folks are from, uh, my wife's folks are from the Harrisburg area. Mm. It's two weeks earlier than us every single time. It's the South. Almost. Well, hey, on this episode of Rural Pastors Talk, foods every potluck must have, an interview with Donnie Griggs, I'm going to review Blue Sky Days, and a quote from Alan Redpath to, you do the math. (laughs) I was going to, if you didn't. (laughs) Have one rhyme in there? I was going to be sad. You always rhyme, and then there it was. I 
You got it. Well done. I left you hanging. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, yeah. what food do you think every church potluck should have? Mandatory. Rural church potluck? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Sure. Start there. We had... Okay, he was a trapper. So that means he trapped animals. And mm-hmm. he brought he brought beaver. Oh. That's it was fun. like pulled pork, only it was oh, beaver. Dear. Swampier? It was... Yeah, a little... Uh, it wasn't too bad. Okay. And he didn't tell people what it was until after they started eating it, but it was pretty good. Is it? Isn't that one of those animals that, if not prepared correctly, you can die from I consuming? Don't what? know as if you could <laughs> die from it, but he might be able to like, Ooh, what? like parasitic. Or, yeah. There are a few animals that, if not prepared correctly, like the pufferfish, like pufferfish. Uh, yes, we do not have any Pennsylvania pufferfish. No. No. Uh, How about you? Wait, wait, wait! You're well, saying that should become a staple. Absolutely. It okay. was really, really good. We just like living off the land sort mm-hmm. of a deal. We've had turtle, not here at this church, but at another church I was at. Turtle. Snapping turtle. I've heard that that one can get pretty nasty unless you prep them right. Yeah. This was really good. It good. was just like you expect. It was a soup, mm. turtle soup, and it was tasty. Uh, I think every church potluck should have deviled eggs. Yes, at least two or three varieties. Yeah, and by the time I get to them, they're usually gone. Because uh-huh, we're always shame. at the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Usually, yep. Uh, we also always have three or four varieties of mac and cheese here. Ooh. That's kind of nice. That was going to be my answer. Oh, Josh, I'm cheese. sorry. No, it's okay. Well, what's your, what's your I have backup specifics. answer? No, no, no. My specifics is we have a brother who makes mac and cheese every time, and he makes it gluten-free, and one is spicy and one is not. That's the Wellsboro Bible Church that has to be at our potlucks. Yeah, and then just generally, good. I like mac and cheese. So, But I think I think every potluck should have meat. That's the other thing. You know, we had a men's breakfast the other day, and there was not a slice of bacon in the house. We had sausage. Was it really I know a, we did. Was we it officially sausage. a men's breakfast without bacon? Yeah, we ended up renaming it, and that, that was a <laughs> ladies' <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have our first men's breakfast coming up soon. That was a surprise. So um, we are going to have a really neat episode today. We have the opportunity to listen to our friend, Donnie Griggs, as he waxes eloquently mm-hmm. about small towns. He's written a book called Small Town Jesus, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really helpful book. Uh, it's an easy read. It's got a lot of practical implications, as well as some need, needed challenges to men who maybe are reluctant to consider rural ministry, and then some encouragements for guys who are in rural ministry. Of course, the premise of the book is that Jesus often went to small towns because sometimes we we hear arguments like Paul went to crossroads cities mm-hmm. and we should go to these big places, and guys dream about that. But when you analyze the ministry of Jesus, he was often seen in small places, and uh, that's kind of the heartbeat behind it. And then John or Donnie ended up in a small town, just as we ended up in yes, small we have. towns. And so I hope this is going to be a helpful interview for you. So without further ado, let's welcome our brother. Well, welcome, Joe. Uh, you look different on the computer screen. I'm used to sitting across from you looking at your face. Yeah, I've got my halo with me. You do. I see that you have the Shekinah right there in the church sanctuary. <laughs> and a little bit of shiny foreheadness. <laughs> yeah, it's good. i to adjust that. And we are joined by our new friend, a dear brother, 
His name is Donnie Griggs. Uh, I'll give just a little biographical info. Donnie was born and raised in a small town, so he's officially legit rural, guys. You can listen to him. Um, Moorhead City, in no- uh, co- coastal North Carolina, and he's a church planter, planted one Harbor Church. Um, we'll get into this a little bit later, but he also did have a season where he was not so rural and not so East Coast, but that's okay. Um, we still love him, and we we're going to profit from even that uh, season of his life. I've had the same kind of season. Joe, you never had that experience going no, out there. I am. I have been faithful. <laughs> You've been faithfully rural the whole time. Uh, so <laughs> Donnie, welcome. Thanks for being here with us, brother. Man, so good to be here, yeah. guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, how's the weather over there today? We usually talk about the weather. Freezing. Really? Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> freezing. It's it's wild. We're in the last little, we're in the last little stretch. So yeah. yeah. Have you had, onion snow. That's what they call it around here. That's true. Six have you had fall spring? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, for our listeners, we've asked Donnie to join us today because he is going to very kindly come and join us in Pennsylvania, April 28th and 29th at Camp Susqua for an event called the Small Town Jesus Summit. So we are asking people from all over the state of Pennsylvania, some guys from New York, uh, maybe a little New Jersey, Ohio, Maryland, and coming together around this idea of uh, seeing the rural church very healthy, strengthened for the glory of God. And we're just going to talk together about what it means to be healthy rural pastors and healthy rural churches, and it'll be a blessing. So if you've not yet signed up for the Small Town Jesus Summit, I encourage you to go to the link that Josh will place show notes in the show notes and it's pinned on our Facebook page pinned yes. right there. You can click it. That's right. And we would love to have you with us there. I uh, wanted to just give you a little taste of who Donnie is and some of the things we can look forward to. Uh, so Donnie, I've had a chance to go through your book, small town, Jesus, super helpful to me, brother. Um, I confess that uh, like you mentioned in the book, um, there was a season of my life where I wasn't exactly dreaming about going to a rural place. And I saw you mention that. Yeah. Uh, in there. Yeah, so yeah. when you were picturing yourself kind of in a ministry context, what, what was going through your mind as you were getting into ministry? Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I'm from here, um, this little town in North Carolina and, and you, you gave me credibility at the beginning. I just want to say that my experience now for the last several years doing this is that um, it's like when you, when you go to like a, a lot of these kind of bigger conferences, there, there tends to be this, if it's suburban urban, it tends to be like, how big is your church is the, is the way you measure each other. Um, and in our world, it's like, how small is your town? Um, that's how you measure each other as, as being legit or not. Um, and so probably some of you have already Googled Moorhead city. You're suspicious with the word city and you're already <laughs> like it's just disengaging because of the, you know, I'm ashamed to say there's roughly 9,000 people in our town. Now I'm ashamed that we have a Walmart. We even have a Starbucks. It's a coastal town. And so it's for the tourist. I'm a Duncan man myself, but you know, um, man, so anyhow, um, I, but I, I do feel a lot of credibility being, um, I mean, I grew up here, it was smaller then, and, um, and we're surrounded by a bunch of little tiny towns, you know, several hundred here, several hundred there. And, um, and so anyway, I, I was born and raised here and then moved away uh, for a while. And in the last sort of, I was gone for like 10 years and the last five years of that I was in LA County, Orange County. And that's where really when I discovered church planting, um, and I did missions work like all around the world by this point and traveled a whole bunch and thought I would live internationally. But when I really got into church planning, I thought for sure, massive city somewhere, you know, 
I mean, I was, I was okay if it was like Lombatar, Mongolia, as long as it's like a, a big city somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so um, when I ended up, like the long story short of planting here, you know, I, I feel like I didn't, I didn't like, it wasn't noble. I wasn't like, oh man, yeah, the, the small rural places need Jesus too. Um, I, I got here and, and with really within the first year. So I was like, man, I feel like I got benched, you know, like God, that's not so passive aggressive, God, like you literally shoved me in the middle of nowhere. Like if you didn't want to use me, you could have told me, you know, like that sort of feeling was really present where I was like, man, all the people who see me making a difference, you know, are in bigger places than this. And um, so, yeah, that was the sort of, that was the, I feel like that was the air we were all breathing. You know, that was 2009 um, when we planted. So that kind of whole season, I, everything I'd read on church planning or heard or seen was all urban, urban, urban. Um, Yeah. So that, I mean, unfortunately I didn't go in with like this, you know, robust view of like how, small town rural ministry is so beautiful and good and you know god blesses it and all that so that basically makes you normal right because most guys aren't thinking that way yeah no it's sad and um it's been neat to see like in the years you know since the book and all the rest like i think things are changing you know i mean more stuff's been written than my book and i've had a bunch of stuff to do you know i've had a bunch of opportunities to go to seminaries and do stuff and conferences and some other guys and i i feel like we're starting to see you know there's more credibility attached to this and, and, you know, it's likely their guys putting their hand up for the right reasons, you know? Um, but that's just going to take time to change, you know? Yeah, for sure. Hey, Joe, I know, um, we are what thousands of miles apart right now. So our, we can't tap each other yeah, under the table, like thousand. your turn, <laughs> like we normally do. So well, I was gonna, guessing that it was my turn. You're just going to have to jump in <laughs> when you're ready, brother. All right. I'll just jump in. Even though we've got a tiny little bit of a lag. All right, so I'm actually pastoring in the same town that I grew up in. Mm. Like, I went to high school in this town. Yep. And the way the Lord called me to ministry was, like, crazy, and we don't need to get into that now, but what is it like to minister in that same small town that you grew up in? I mean, there's a lot of people that knew you and still know you from, from when you were growing up. Just yeah. a little bit. What? Because that's a challenge too, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. Oh, maybe absolutely. you were a lot better kid than I was. No, I mean, you know, no, I have lots of regret, and that regret like follows you. I mean, you know, those th- yeah. those people have come to our church, you know, and I've interacted with them all the time. You know, like around town, you can't you see them everywhere. I mean, you know, candidly, just before we started this, I was meeting with a, a young lady who I did her dad's funeral, and I grew up with her dad, and. Um, there's just layers and layers, you know, like it never, you're never away from it. Even though like we live in an area where there's tourists and there, you know, people come here for vacation, the core of the town is still very much, you know, there's a book about our town. Um, they sell all over the place. And on the cover is my mama's little girl, my granddad. Um, I mean, I, I this is my town. And so I would say, DNA. yeah, I do. I feel like it. I mean, I've got our County seal tattooed on my arm. I mean, I, I love this place. Um, I, I think it's got, it's got pros and cons. And to me, the pros outweigh the cons. Um, but the cons are that kind of, it's hard to escape the past. It's hard. Like when, when like you have to say or do tough things, it's really easy for people to kind of like scoff at like who you were and your origins and all that, you know, like you can easily get put right back down to like high school or middle school. 
Um, but the pros of like really understanding the town and um, those, those like really kind of almost ancient relationships feels like, you know, um, right. Invariably I run into, I'm, I'm doing a funeral uh, this Sunday for, we had a terrible accident actually made national news tragedy where four teenage boys and then four adults were killed in a plane accident coming back from a duck hunt. And, you know, one of those families, they're, they're in our church and, and um, the funeral will be massive. It'll be sad. It'll be, it'll be massive. And I, I, I've got this leg up of already knowing a lot of these people forever. I mean, that I can, I wouldn't trade that for the world, you know? Um, and so, yeah, everywhere you go in town, everybody sees you and knows you, you feel like you're in a fishbowl all the time. I mean, that stuff is tough. Um, but again, for me, it's, it's been a, a blessing. I feel like, um, I haven't had to earn like the credibility in the same way that I think lots of other guys do, you know? Yeah, that's huge. You know, one of the things we often encourage is guys that have gone on to bigger places. Not all of them should come home, but I think some of them should come home for the reasons you just, just said. Um, I think being in that, being in that fishbowl, everybody does look at you. There's certain, a certain sort of a negative there too, but at the same time, you've almost got them right where you want them sometimes that they are looking at you and you do have like what you said, those ancient sorts of relationships. Yeah, that's good. So brother, was it, you remember me when I was in high school, you might remember me when I was in college, the amazing thing that worked done in my life. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a really powerful thing too. And and some people just don't get it. They they ignore it. Well, the last thing I'll say too is the joy the joy when like someone gets saved or baptized, like I'm baptizing that girl this, this Sunday. And, um, I mean, I knew her dad growing up, he had a, you know, he had a massive substance abuse problem and, you know, it was an honor to do his funeral for her and for the family, but like her getting baptized, like, I mean, it just, those, those moments mean so much more, you know, because it's like, I have 30 years, I mean, you know, of history with her family, 40 years of history with her family. So, um, Th- those th- it's sweeter, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So I can see that. That's a really good way to describe it. Did you have any sort of culture shock when you came back? I mean, you were out for 10 years, right? So you were in LA, you were in orange <coughs> County and then coming I mean, back I, to no. city. I was there, but you know, it's like that old, you can't, you can't take the country out of the boy. You can take the boy out of the country thing. I mean, I was, I was a old redneck just living in orange County. <laughs> I would see deer think about shooting them, you know, <laughs> Couldn't do it, but thought about it. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So is, is there a time since you've come back where you've just faced discouragement and maybe some of that discouragement is connected to the fact that rural ministry has a particular difficulty that's just different from being other places? Mm. Man, absolutely. I think there's been lots of moments. Um, I mean, the, the flip side of the, it's really sweet when like you're doing that kind of baptism thing is the, you know, when like I heard somebody say this early on, I was at a church planning conference and they were like, yeah, when people leave your church, you know, a few church planners out there, you know, those people are kind of just like scaffolding. They just sort of help get things going. You should expect they're going to leave. And I'm like, well, what if the scaffolding people were like, you know, kids you went to scouts with and what if they were like moms, like you stayed at their home, like when things were going bad at your parents' house. And what if like, you've known these people your whole life, like when they leave, it don't feel like scaffolding, you know, it rips your heart out, you know, it like it, it, it's painful and sad and hard. And so I think kind of with that in the background, this last couple of years with all the like, um, 
the hostility around COVID stuff, politics, race, you know, being a faithful pastor, you know, in rural America has not been easy these last couple of years. Um, the real, you know, sort of prominence of Christian nationalism and all those things, you know, when, when folks, you know, lots of us have, you know, had people get angry and leave, you know, it's like you couldn't make anybody happy no matter what you did. Well, if, you know, if half the church walked out, well, if half those people, people you grew up with, I mean, that hurts at a whole new level, you know? And I mean, those, are, that's probably the only moment where like, you know, I would have like longed to like, it would be great to be leading a church somewhere where I didn't really know these people, mm, you know, right. where I wasn't going to see them at Walmart, distance. you know, I wasn't going to see them at Walmart. I wasn't going to bump into them on date night. I wasn't going to like, you know, you start to feel like that, that's attractive. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, I, I mean, you know, so, so I think that's probably been the most discouraged I've been, it's been through this last season. And, um, and by God's grace, you know, you know, we've had just some amazing, you know, stories of restoration and, and so many of those folks have, have come back and we've, you know, we've all learned stuff together, but, but I mean, I, I know the, the sort of the challenge, the exodus, every, every pastor was feeling, you know, across the country, but when it's like a small town and you see them everywhere and you've known them forever, man, it just hurts at a new level, you know? So how about it? Like having experienced that, gone through that, like all of us that are here talking in that sort of a context that we've just come out of, but then also adding that real sort of a context. And then there's another added context of where you're in the town where you grew up in. How about leadership development within the church? Like how have you gone about raising up and equipping leaders um, to be able to serve and to work in the ministry? Man, God's been really kind to us in that way. Um, I think, and, and again, I mean, I got, I got, I never, I, I don't know. These things are, these kinds of conversations are so helpful as long as it's not sounding prescriptive, you know, as long as it sort of sounds descriptive. And so, um, you know, I don't want to fall into the, just do this and it'll, everything will work for you too. Like that, that's, that's stuff we want to steer clear of. Cause I think, especially particularly in rural ministry, in our context, there's similarities, but there's also real differences, you know, and, um, and so kind of that said, philosophy wise, we just, we, well, we realized we didn't start off with philosophy. We start off with just the reality was that nobody wanted to move here. <laughs> we didn't have like, you know, an army of people at like the local, like, you know, seminary, you know, three, four hours, five hours away, you know, chomping at the bit to move to our little town. You know, they, they all want to go to the same place. They all want to go to Raleigh Durham or Chapel Hill or, you know, they, they want to go to these like, like urban or like growing suburban areas. You know, there's targets, there's good coffee, there's epic sports programs for the kids. Um, you know, we're here drowning in overdoses and you know, everything. I mean, like, we're not like, you know, the beach we've got, but I mean, I tell people our place is beautiful, but it's broken, mm. uh, which is a lot of rural places. So I think we realize the Calvary's not riding in. Um, we, we're going to have to probably do this ourselves. Um, and if we were to get people showing up, we had this, we had people show interest, but it was clear as day that this was just a stepping stone. This was them fresh out of Bible college. Let's knock off some, some seminary debt so we can move on to like something bigger and better. And I just, I'm just not playing that game. Like sheep mean too much to me to like, let some hired hand you know, take a swing. So we just decided we would start raising people in house and it was going to be slower. It's going to take a lot of work, but, um, man, God has been really kind to us in that. 
And so it's, you know, not to get, we can talk about this more at the, at the, at the summit, but like, you know, lots of cohorts, lots of like, you know, um, you know, apprenticeships, lots of things like that. Um, I mean, we've, we've probably put 120 guys through a, um, like a, a, an intentional cohort that's aimed at like raising up pastors. I mean, that's taken 10 years to do, but I mean, we, you know, we've done it and, and then, um, you know, we're a a multi-site church. Yeah. Let me ask just, just before you move on, uh, on the cohort. So two things, one is for you as a rural pastor, thinking about training like large quantities of guys, what's what structural elements do you put in place so that you're still sane? Like Sunday's still coming. And now you've got these added responsibilities, um, which I think discourages a lot of guys from taking the step of saying, I'm going to do the hard work to yeah. somebody. So, you know, what was kind yeah. of your, your way of going around that? Well, I think you got to start off with like some real conviction. Like if I don't, if I don't work at this, if we don't make it a priority. It's not going to happen, you know? Um, and so you have to make time for it, which means you have to take away time from other stuff. And then you got to think about what you, your capacity is. You know, we're at a different phase than we were 10 years ago, even you know, way different. You know, um, the team's gotten bigger and there's more load getting shared around. Um, but, you know, I'm not trying to bring through a hundred guys at once. I'm, I'm trying to bring like six or 10 through, you know, and I'll take a year to 18 months with those six or 10 guys. And we may meet one night a month and they, you know, there's a, there's like a curriculum. They'll read something. They'll write a paper. We'll get together. We'll order a bunch of chicken wings and we'll hash it out for two or three hours. Um, you know, it's, uh, I tell, I tell guys, you know, raising up leaders, it's, um, it's, it's a lot more like smoking a, a pork butt than it is grilling a hot dog. You know, it's low and slow. It takes a long time. Um, but that makes it worth it, you know? And, um, and so because it's not instantly gratifying, it does, you're right. It does TJ it just floats to the background and the tyranny of the urgent takes over. And then you wake up and go, gosh, I wish we had some leaders, but you know, how's that ever going to happen? We just have to start. And so we started with like, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know our head from a hole in the ground. It was like five guys. And the curriculum was, Hey, what do you guys want to talk about? I'm not kidding you. That was the curriculum. Sat down. Here's some pizza. What do y'all want to talk about? Well, it's come a long way in 10, 11 years, you know, um, uh, of doing this. And it's gotten a lot more developed and intentional, but it's still the same concept of few guys. We, we got, you know, we see something in them and we're going to call it out and walk alongside them and try to like um, help them see blind spots and, and, and areas of gifting and areas of weakness. And, um, and then um, that's led to, I mean, we've, we've got, you know, it's probably soon to be 24 pastors across the four sites and, and pretty much all of those we've raised up in house and they, they're everything from like electricians to carpenters to landscapers to, I mean, they've done every kind of, none of them really have gone to seminary. And some of them now are trying to do that, but like, um, that's worked for us. And so again, I'm not wanting to be prescriptive, but I think you're probably not going to have a bunch of people show up and want to jump in. If they do, they might have some ulterior motives. Um, and then you got to work with people, but in in that we're going to have to like be willing to work with people who don't fit the grid, you know? And the last little thing I'll say on that is like, I love Acts 413 because, um, it says they recognize, they looked at, you know, Peter and they said, I mean, this, this guy's. These guys are, they're ordinary, they're unschooled, but they've been with Jesus. Mm. And that has been like, for me, like a banner, like I'm okay working with guys who don't fit the, like they're, they're kind of unschooled and ordinary, but man, they've been with Jesus, man. They love the sheet, you know? Um, so I don't know. That's, that's like 30,000 foot. 
No, that's really helpful. The other thing about that, I think that's really encouraging is, you know, this is something that can be done regardless of context. So yes, you're right. There's nuances, but the encouragement to just start, um, anybody can order a pizza and say, what do you guys want to talk about? Like that's a great starting point and launch point. Uh, and then development happens over time. And one thing we, we think about a lot is, you know, we we're always comparing, you know, we're comparing what's going on in bigger places. We're comparing on what's going on in what seems to be healthier rural churches. Um, and then we're trying to race to this, like by next year, I need to have this, but you're talking 10 years, brother. And that's a decade of long plotting and hard work. And I think that's just a good encouragement to our listeners to just say, hang in there, especially after COVID like, yeah, that statistic that you're you're a part of that we're a part of of feeling discouraged during that season um carries out through throughout yeah. and you can't do that you can't do that if you have if it's a stepping stone for you so you true able to look that far down the road so true yeah you know somebody told me right before i planted it was interesting that 10 year kind of phrase i'm just thinking about it somebody said you know what we need we need church planners who are willing to go spend 10 years somewhere i just somebody did a drive i was i was like i remember where i was i was walking into a bathroom like and somebody just said that and it like resonated with me. And then, and then like a year later, someone said, um, you know, you know, it takes about 10 years to change culture. Just someone, I don't know if it's like a, just whatever, a guess or whatever, but that kind of number has like, in, in, in my head, I've always thought, okay, I've got to like, I've got to think slower. You know, I think my, my friend, Stephen Whitmer and um, all the guys up in, in New England, they always talk about, they've got a hundred year vision, you know, for what they want to see happen in New England. Like they, they know that like, they know that for, for, the, for like what they, unless God just hits, hits the microwave button, they're thinking a hundred years out, which means they'll be dead. They'll be long gone. And they're okay with that. Um, I think that's the good word for us, man, in our moment, you know? So true. Yeah. I think it's a good word too. Uh, so thank you for all of that. Um, one question I had for you is being a healthy church in a place where there's not a lot of healthy churches, have you guys been able to try to think through ways that you, you can be a resource to other churches in your region? Hmm. Yeah, we've, we've definitely. Um, so the first thing I'll say is that um, a lot of times, like I, when I was in like a larger context, I was every time I'm in somewhere big, you know, big suburban or big urban area, I'm amazed at the kind of like brotherhood and partnership that so many pastors have with each other. It's incredible. They're not always like epic events together. And I mean, I was in Philly a a few years ago and I'm just like blown away at the way all these pastors like love and serve each other. And um, that doesn't happen as much in rural communities, at least what my experience has been. I think there's a lot of competition, a lot of tribalism. Um, I, I mean, we had a guy tell us when we came here to plant, you know, you know, emotionally, he was like, he was weeping. He was like, Hey, please don't, he's a, he's a local pastor. Um, he's not, he's not here anymore, but he said, please don't, please don't come here. The last thing this town needs is another church, you know? And so that sort of mindset of, man, you're going to, he literally said, you're just take all of our people. And, you know, it was that sort of thing. Meanwhile, in our County of 68,000 people. So spread out across an hour, I mean, it's, you know, probably 30 or 40,000 people don't go to church anywhere. I mean, I could be jealousy a couple of times, you know, like, um, there's a lot of people I'm not saying I want to be, I'm just saying I could have been, you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of people who don't know Jesus. Um, so I just want I'm, I'm, I'm logging this in here because I think something that we can do, if we want to build a, a culture of like love and, and, and um, unity amongst other churches is to like run at that tension. 
something we say every single Sunday from the front when we welcome everybody. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We say something along the lines of, I mean, there's a lot of great churches in our town, you know, for you to be here with us, it's just, it just means so much. It's like a constant, like I'm hacking, like chopping, like an ax every week at that, you know, is this the cool church? Is this the, is this the good church? And so, um, so those kinds of things I think have helped because initially it wasn't there, there was like, there wasn't the kind of warmth, you know, that you'd hope for, but I think that's pretty standard. Um, and then, um, but through the years, we've partnered together in really some wonderful ways. I think we've all started um, to realize there's there's kind of different, there's like a different kind of grace on each of us, so to speak. You know, like different ones of us are just by God's grace better at certain things. And so, um, you know, we've 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 been quick to like if some church some church wants to do a food pantry, we're not going to start a competitive food pantry. That's stupid. We'll just send you money and send you volunteers for a food pantry. We'll get behind your thing and. So that kind of stuff has helped pave the way. Um, and then we've, we've, we've definitely like done our best to try to like offer support and we'll share anything. We'll give anything away. Anytime we've doing something, everyone's welcome to come. Um, but again, I think that's a slow thing, you know, because of the years and years of just like competition, subtle competition, you know, constantly trading, you know, people between churches like baseball cards. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting more towards that kind of going back to that 10 year thing. I'm fighting more for like, I'm going to build a culture of honor. And if God ever like allows that to lead to us having an influence, like with other guys in town, well, that'd be great. But if he doesn't, I'll just be a brother to these guys, you know, I'll help any way I can. Yeah, it's good. The, the um, competition thing surprised me when I came back. Um, so, you know, I was in Naples, Florida planting and everyone was fast friends. Like, I could go to any of these other brothers and any of these other churches and find camaraderie, support, encouragement, um, help, you know, all of those kind of things. And then moving back, like that was absent. Uh, and that was a big challenge I faced. I think there's a lot of rural guys who are discouraged because they feel alone and we're not meant yeah, to be alone. I mean, if right. you think of, think of a battle, which we are in, unit a and company b or whatever all lined up across the battle line are not going to be fighting each other or worried about each other they're going to be like i want to know if this guy's got my back and and helping yeah. each other, thinking through it together so yeah yeah I, I love your just repetition of the 10-year approach and and thinking through because you can't just go to the the church next door and say hey by the way i'm not here to hurt you let's be friends <laughs> it takes yeah. time to cultivate those kind of things and, and you got to prove it yeah, that that's the thing. It's the it's the it takes time to prove it. Yeah, because it's easy to say. It's harder to do. For sure. And so, like we we've said things like, "Hey, if you if you're leaving another church to come here, like we've encouraged people on a Sunday morning." I remember, I was like, "Hey, if you're coming here because you're like, oh, the band's better, that's stupid. Go back. Like that's dumb. You should go back yeah. to your church." And like a family like came up crying after they're like, "Man, it's our first Sunday here. We came because the band was better. We're going back." Nice. I was like, "Good. See ya. See you on the other side." You know. Um, we, when we, um, bring in, um, new, like, you know, members to the church, we always tell them, Hey, if you're coming from another church in town, did you leave? Well, you're, you know, you're not allowed to talk bad about them here. Like, you know, we don't do that. Right. Like all that stuff. I just hope in time, you know, and I think we've done a lot of it, but I hope in time, we just, you know, the legacy is that we've proved, um, we're a friend, not a foe, you know? Absolutely. With all of that, how do you approach multi, your multi-site too like is that is that a, a good strategy and how have you i mean that's a big question i know we're kind of running out of time too but how do you go about um because you have a couple different sites for your church more than a couple right 
Yeah, there's four. Um, and for us, I mean, just kind of super fast on that. We, like, we can talk again, you know, again, more at the summit about this if, if anybody wants to, but um, you know, it's, it was a church planning strategy for us, you know, because we started realizing it wasn't just Moorhead. It was like a bunch of little towns all over East North Carolina. The cavalry wasn't riding up there either. Um, but a lot of times one, we just weren't in a place where we could finance independent church plants. And two, a lot of these little towns, they, they, they struggle to afford that as well, you know? And so that, that keeps a lot of good church planners away. They're like, I can make a living there, you know? So multi-site was just a, it's just a strat, it was just a strategy for us to start multiplying the gospel, you know, beyond. And, um, and we're not holding on to it. Like, you know, thou shalt do this till Jesus comes back. I mean, you know, um, we, we do it, we do it fairly. So there's, there's things that we're like united around, which again, we can double click on this more later, um, which I think really helps us stay unified. Um, really like thankful for the unity we have. Um, but there's a lot of autonomy given um, to them to, love and serve uh, each of those towns in really unique ways. Um, and I mean, and candidly, I mean, I was a bunch of leaders probably listening to this. Uh, every year I take those site leaders away and I say, Hey, still working. You guys, you guys want to go autonomous? You know, I, I, you know, I mean, leadership wise for me, I, I think it's, you know, you want to lead guys who want to be led, not guys who like you're, you're forcing, you know, to follow you. And so just by God's grace, every year we've kind of gone away and come back going, yeah, man, we're better together, at least for now. Let's stay at it. And so, um, but yeah, so it's it's allowed for us to break this, like people driving to like some, you know, we just have to keep getting a bigger and bigger building. And that that's fine. That's what, if that's the way, you know, that guys want to build church for us. We just felt like, man, if we're really trying to engage lost people, we don't want to create a consumeristic culture. We would rather like try to keep multiplying the gospel out, you know, to little towns. And um, so again, that's just a little summary there. Yeah. Amen. That's helpful. So come to the summit. If you want to hear more information about that, it's a really important consideration because we, this is one area I feel like rural needs some significant help in because we do not have the resources to do with the people in the books and that the conferences tell us to do. So we're going to have to come up with some rural strategies that might not look exactly like what our tribe prescribes all the time. So yeah. um, that's going to be a really helpful conversation. Brother, we want to be faithful at the time. We're going to be wrapping up here, but we do have two questions that we ask every guest. Joe, you get to pick which of the two you desire and you can go first. What is your favorite hymn, brother? All right, putting you right on oh, the spot. Your favorite hymn. My favorite hymn. Uh, I mean, do we get to pick modern hymns? Is that a thing? The sure. the range is yours. You you define him yourself. Man, um yeah, I would say uh in Christ alone, like is what jumps out. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Never been asked that. Ah, nice. Well, <laughs> I told you these were sneaky little questions we throw in there. And the next one is even more theological. The other one's way easier. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite ice cream? Man, I'm a I'm a Heath Bar Blizzard man myself. Ooh, all right. Ooh, so my I'm, man. I'm from the country. <laughs> they served us ice cream at the conference we're at, and I'm eating vanilla ice cream with Heath bars in it right now. So bro. Well, I am I've been told I'm what they call pre-diabetic, so I will live vicariously through you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Didn't mean to make you stumble. No, bro, it's all right. In heaven, I'm gonna eat a bunch of it. That's that's what I imagine is going down. Five gallon bucket blizzard <laughs> right when I walk through the doors. Perfect. Well, hey, Donnie, if people want to find out more about you or learn about uh, some of the resources that you have provided, where can they go? Yeah, I mean, smalltownjesus.com has got a whole bunch of 
stuff. I mean, we've talked about multi-site and leaders and all that stuff's on there. Um, so you can go read a bunch of stuff there. Um, our, our church website, oneharborchurch.com has got a bunch of stuff. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that. Perfect. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, and we look Donnie, forward to seeing you, so you here in April. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to it. Hey, right, God bless, brother. Thanks, so brother. Okay. Take Bye. care. Yikes! Zoinks! We're in trouble. We are. We need to issue our standard SOS for sweets and other sweets. Olives. <laughs> olives. Ew. No, olives don't Sweet go well with sweets. Instead, this SOS is all about subscribing, offering a review, and sharing. Please do those three things and save us. And now, wow. stuff. Rural pastors can you review? So today we have the opportunity to talk about a little something that we enjoy here at Wellsboro Bible Church called the Blue Sky Day. Hmm. And you know why this is on on the docket? Are you going to have one soon? We had one today. Oh, that is how we began our day today. So once a quarter, except during COVID. And times of moving from one building to the other, when you need to stretch out the time in between a little bit. Once a quarter, we as a staff get together and go out under the blue sky. Now, the last three or four times we did it, it was gray. Mm -hmm. So I I felt bad for false advertising. But uh, the purpose is to just enjoy being with your brothers and sisters in Christ who you're serving alongside in a capacity that's not under the pressure of daily ministry responsibilities mm. surrounded by, you know, office chairs. And so you just get out of the office, you go do something fun together. Um, now this would apply whether you have a staff or not, because you have a leadership team that you can invest in like this. Uh, you probably have elders or deacons in your church. Um, you probably have people who volunteer to do things like lead the music, like run men's ministry or women's ministry or a Bible study or whatever, your greeter person, lead greeter, lead usher, get these people together, staff, volunteers, you name it, and plan a time that fits everybody's schedule and just go do something regionally that's enjoyable. So a couple examples of things we've done, uh, at least twice, we have done a completely free hike through the woods. Um you can bring snacks along. You can bring food along. You can go to lunch afterward. It doesn't matter. But you just get out and you take a hike and then try to find somewhere along the trail, maybe a vista, where you can stop and pray together. Mm, and that'd it, be cool. Yeah. It just, it's just a totally different experience. Something else we've done is uh, we've gone to places that are a little further away than our own town for lunch. So um, I hate to admit the name of the town we went to. Where'd you go? Ithaca. Mm. Not everybody's down with Ithaca because uh, they still make you wear masks. Do they? <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> that's the, not the only reason. The worldview of the average Ithacanian, I would say, Ith Ithacander, Ithacander, is uh, my sister-in-law is now an Ithacander. Well, maybe she doesn't fit this then, but maybe most she of doesn't them listen are, to the podcast. Most of them are left of left, <laughs> so uh, they're out there pretty far. Some of them. But we um, we went there because there's some really good 
Thai food, and it was a neat place to walk around and just kind of spent the day together. Oh, one time we went to the Martin Guitar Factory. Ooh, yes. where's that? That is in southeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So we just took a day and did a road trip, left early, came back at a decent time, and spent some time there together. Um, we have gone to visit local attractions. We live near Corning, New York, so today we went to the Corning Museum of Glass. Nice. Which was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And we had pizza together at a... Lunch on Market Street? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Anilio's yeah. Pizza. That's kind of the local uh, New York City, New York-style pizza hotspot in our region. Tried to go get some of the world's best ice cream afterward at Dippity Doodahs, but, but it was closed oh. because it's not summer yet. They open tomorrow at 3. Uh, and then one time years ago, we saw a Christian film that was out in the movie theater. Uh, other ideas would be something like going and doing laser tag or uh, an escape room, something like that. But whatever it is, I mean, the brothers listening have plenty of things in their own area. But go do local stuff. Like It's, it's just fun with this group of people. And it gives you a chance to walk around together you know, there's something to look at. It's a common experience. And I think it's just really, really mm-hmm. a great opportunity for relationship building. Anything to add to that, Josh? You've been to a few of them. Yeah, we went boating one time on mm. Cuca Lake. That was a lot of fun because we were able to do that and have fun uh, in the sun and in the water, but then had extra time to kind of visit some architecture. There was like that beautiful church on the hillside. Yeah. Um, That's the time. Enjoying ice cream. I almost lost my sanctification. Because what the boat wouldn't start. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so we were delayed the pressure was like on. an hour and a half almost. It was still like that. Get, and even those moments gives us time to encourage mm-hmm. one another and talk. And it's oftentimes on these trips that deeper conversations happen too. Not like they're not happening in the in the office, but kind of we're all, we don't have, work, I guess, church things on our mind. Yeah. So we're able to get personal with one another. And It's a different speed. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So highly recommend that. Joe, anything you want to say about that? That sounds like a wonderful idea. Yeah? Yeah, it does. I think so, too. And whether, like you said before, whether you're in a smaller church or not, take the opportunity for your ministry leaders or for your elders or for your deacons or, yeah. or whoever that is and get out. I really like the way you said it. it's just a different speed. Mm. Tell them that's not the time for them to needle you for the things that they really, really want. <laughs> yeah. Have fun together. That's right. Very good. And we're going to close this time with a quote from Alan Redpath. It is Reverend... Fear of God is the key to faithfulness in every situation, mm. including your small town ministry. Hang in there, brother. Amen. Thank you to Donnie Griggs. Make sure you check out his stuff. Yep. And uh, if you want to join us at that conference, it is April 28th and 29th. You can sign up on our Facebook page. It's probably the easiest way to do it. Yep. Facebook.com slash Josh is awesome. Real pastor stock. Oh, okay. I get those two confused. And sayonara. Bye-bye. Raise your Ebenezer. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Rural Pastors Talk, the podcast highlighting the advancement of Christ's kingdom in rural places just like the town you live in. Josh, if people want to contact us, they should. Go to ruralpastorstalk at gmail.com. Email, I guess I should say. You can find us on Facebook or you can tweet at us at Rural Pastors. Send us a message or I'll give you a scalper. Bye-bye. There we go. It's over. That was the fastest recording we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Is it technically still going? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
if they're still with us, the brothers and sisters who listen at this point, you know. Yes. We should throw them a bone and allow them to enjoy our post Like extra bonus content. Yeah. Your best dad joke, Josh. Uh... <laughs> I, I know someone who's doing a dad joke off Saturday. I heard about this. Yeah. Did you? I did. That's funny. Yep. What's the one with the calendar? I, I never remember the punchline. I'm scared for the calendar. What's the What's the punchline? It's days are numbered. <laughs> nice. That's one less joke PJ can tell. I have a controversial one that you guys have heard. I don't think you should say it. I'm going to read the room. Is it the is it the uh, is it the sheep one? No. The what cow. do you mean the sheep? It's the cow. Yeah. Cow? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> but if everyone's had a few Coca Colas, it's like a two Coke minimum. Yeah. They might be relaxed enough to <laughs> receive it. I don't know. They'll never look at me the same. <laughs> 